Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. <laughs> Welcome in to today's episode of Purple Daily as we creep forward to the first Vikings game of the season, Vikings-Packers week. And uh, we're going to go through some of our NFL and Vikings predictions for the season here and also our football nerd segment of the week. But first, a quick shout out to Federated Mutual Insurance Company. Federated is here to help business owners. It just helps during any year, let alone a pandemic year where it's just been so tough on so many businesses. It helps tremendously. To have an insurance company that gives you peace of mind as you navigate the challenges of running said business. When you partner with Federated, you get more than just a policy. You benefit from over a century of experience in making businesses as successful as they can be. Visit federatedinsurance.com to find your local representative. And remember, at Federated, it's our business to protect yours. (laughs) You like that? You like that? (laughs) And welcome in to the show, Vikings Packers Week. Mackie and Judd with Declan here on Purple Daily. And uh, we, we we were going to do our football nerd segment of the week last week. We have saved it for today because we just had too much show yesterday. Uh, and then the Daniil Hunter news came down. You can find that emergency episode with you guys uh, breaking down him missing the first three weeks. And I do want to give a quick tip of the cap to the Vikings for sending out the trolliest of troll tweets of all time. Where uh, they, they 15 minutes prior, they had Daniil Hunter, the announcement that he's going to land on injured reserve and he's going to miss the first three games which means they don't have to include him now on like subsequent injury reports, nor did they tell us what the actual injury was. Courtney Cronin saying it's a neck thing. But 15 minutes later, they send out the tweet, the the, the screenshot of their injury report, which is blank because there's been no preseason games, like no one's getting hurt. Nobody on this week's injury report. End of tweet, which is a great technicality because uh, one of their most <laughs> Because that's players. what football teams like to do, find technicalities that's and exploit great. them. So, uh, gentlemen, if you're down for it, I've got some different categories and things to throw at you. Vikings and NFL predictions. You ready? All right. I should fire up some appropriate music here so that uh, I'm flying the plane this week because Declan is quarantining after a, a trip to the East Coast. But let's fire this up. And let's start with the seven playoff teams from each conference. We'll start with Judd on this one. So yesterday we went through our records for the Vikings before the Daniel Hunter injury news came down. So yep. this is sort of a, a parlay of predictions in that you can rehash your Vikings prediction yep. and redo it and then tell us the seven teams that are going to make the playoffs from the NFC and the AFC. Okay, so I will start in the AFC and I will give you division champs and then wild cards. And keep in mind now there's three wild cards and we're because we're up to seven per conference starting this year, okay? Mm-hmm. My division champions in the east of the AFC, I have the Buffalo Bills. Patriots just, I don't see how they're going to be that good. I just don't. 
Now, perhaps they'll surprise us. They always do. I might be discounting them too much, but I can't give them the division title. And the rest of the division sort of just stinks. So I'm going to give it to Buffalo and Stefan Diggs. In the uh, north, I have Pittsburgh winning it over Baltimore. I think Pittsburgh's going to have a really good year. In the AFC South, I can't stand Bill O'Brien, but I love Deshaun Watson. So I'm going to go back to back with Houston. I was tempted. I was tempted to change it, uh, but you know what? Deshaun Watson's just so damn good. And in the West, in the AFC, I think you have no choice but to give it to Kansas City, right? Okay. I mean, that's probably the best team in that conference, or at least it looks that way. My three wild card teams: Baltimore finishes behind Pittsburgh in the AFC North, but they get in the playoffs. The, t- the Tennessee Titans get back in, and then the Indianapolis Colts jump up and get in the playoffs with guy. your guy, Phillip Rivers. Fluttering Phillip Rivers, that's yeah. right. Now, that might be the Patriots, but I, I just can't do it. I can't do it for these Patriots. So that's my AFC. Do you guys want to go first with your AFC, or do you want me to just continue no, through? Um, yeah, let, let's fly through AFC real quick, and then we'll get to our right. re- revamp Vikings prediction. So I've got Chiefs and Ravens. I think those are the two best teams in the AFC winning their divisions. I've got the Colts winning the division in Ooh. the AFC South. Sure guy. I think the Colts, like the people slept in the Colts, and if, if Phillip Rivers has any gas left in the tank at all there, then uh, that Colts team is probably a 10 or 11 win team, and, and it's 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 not the strongest of divisions. It's, it's, I don't think there's like a clear-cut 13 win team in That's that division. That's why I, I like Deshaun so much. and and Because he's just single-handedly so good. Yep. Um, and then I've got the New England Patriots still winning the AFC East because as of right now, like your best argument is, well, I mean, I guess all the teams in the division are crappy. It's like Josh Allen is still the Buffalo Bills starting quarterback for me. And I get that they've got Stefan Diggs now and, uh, and they also have a decent defense, but I'm, I'm going to say until someone takes it from the Patriots and Cam Newton, the new starting quarterback, I've got the Patriots in and then I've got the Titans, Steelers and Texans as my wild card teams. The Steelers are always like even in their train wreck seasons with random backup quarterbacks. They still find team. a way to go like nine and seven. Agreed. So I think they're, they're going to be good this year too. So Dex, go ahead. AFC. All right. Yeah. Obviously, I'll start in the AFC West. It's the Kansas City Chiefs will obviously win that division. It's pretty obvious. Pat Mahomes and the Chiefs are the team to beat in the AFC. In the East, I, I will go with the Bills. I'm I'm with Mackie here that I, I don't believe in Josh Allen for a second. Uh, I think the New England Patriots are still going to be a playoff team, but I think the Bills get the division if I'm just going semantically. So I think the Bills would win in the East. In the AFC North, I know everyone's back back up on the uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers bouncing back with uh, Big Ben coming back. I still think Lamar Jackson and the Ravens run away with that division. I, I, I The Steelers can get in a wild card, but I think it's the Ravens' divisions to lose in the AFC North. In the South, uh, as much as we talked about our, our favorite buffoon, Bill O'Brien, intensively uh, last uh, on the last episode of Purple Daily, I still think uh, that that is their division as well. Deshaun Watson still very good. He can uh, make up for those buffoon decisions from Bill O'Brien. And then my wild card teams, I would say your three wild card teams in the AFC East would be the New England Patriots, the Pittsburgh Steelers, and I'll go sneaky here. I'm gonna go the Denver Broncos. I'm a big Drew Lock guy. I, I, like, I, like I almost, I'm jealous. I almost pulled the trigger on that one. Von Miller and just I got know. hurt. They've had some yeah, bad luck. Yeah, that, Von Miller kind of changed it for me. That's a bad loss for them. And Von Miller is one of the best players in the league. But I'm a big Drew Locke dude. I don't know if it's the young Jeezy in him that like I do the same thing when I'm driving my car that I'm rapping to young Jeezy. Maybe it's that. But uh, I think the Broncos get in as that last wild card team. You also have been a big John David Booty guy. Yeah, and you've had your uh, quarterback assessment is as bad as Rick Spielman's. Kevin Cobb and all these. You're great the Rick guys Spielman of this show. About. You Kiss can't judge a quarterback to save your life. 
All right, so now that we've cleared the AFC out of the way, let's start with Judd again here. Give us your revised Vikings record prediction, now that we know that Daniil Hunter's not playing in September, and then give us your NFC playoff landscape. All right, so my revised Vikings record, and I had them, did I have them 9-7, and seven, yep. I believe, yesterday? This is tough because the division just sucks. It's just bad. I don't think it does. It's just not that good. I don't think you're right. It's on that. just not that good. Your faith in Matt Patricia is unfounded. It's <laughs> I very. Know. It's my faith in Matt Stafford <laughs> and very, Kenny Galladay. Right. But Matt, Matt Stafford, something's going to snap or something's going to tear. It usually does for him. <laughs> um, in in my heart of hearts, I think the Vikings will probably be a 500 to nine and six team now. So I don't think that they're going to fall off the map because. Daniel's hurt, and obviously this is also going to depend on how long he's out for, if it truly is three weeks or if it's eight games or something. Uh, But for this exercise, I am going to go in this direction for NFC North, or I'm sorry, NFC Division champions and then playoff uh, playoff teams in the wild card. Dallas is going to win the East, and I think Dallas is going to be damn good. We've talked about that a lot. I am going to, for the sake of this, keep the Vikings at 10 wins and have them win the division. I just have no faith in the Packers. I, I'm sorry, but they win. It's a classic. They won 13 games. They didn't pass the eye tests. Those teams almost never come back and like win 12 or 11 games. Those are the type of teams that ordinarily take a huge step back. So I'm going to keep the I'm going to keep the Vikings as my division champions. I have no faith in Detroit, and I think Chicago truly is trying to be a train wreck, and that's going to cost people, including probably Matt Nagy and the GM. I believe it's still Ryan Pace's job. Uh, In the South, I'm going to go... Declan's going to hate this. In what might be one of his final seasons. Or who knows? It might not be. Might play for 10 more years. Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Tom Brady. Firepower, defense. The thing with this team, the thing with this team, it's not. Because Bruce Arians, damn good coach. In the West, big surprise here... This is a hot take. Arizona. I'm on the Kyler it. Murray bandwagon. Mm-hmm. I think this guy was good. I think he might be great. Kingsbury actually might be good, too. Not positive, but he might be good. I'm going Cardinals to shock in the West. And then my three playoff teams from the wild card. 49ers make it. Saints make it. And popping back up. The Los Angeles Rams. Wow! So you've got three. You've got three playoff teams from the NFC West. Yes, and the Seahawks are out. And I have the Seahawks out. Which, by the way, I crossed them out at the last second because I had them in instead of the Rams. But if Sean McVay is as good as we think he is, and if Jared Goff can play to our conversation yesterday at all, he's going to pop back up. Both of them will. So Niners, Saints, Rams, my three wild card teams. Just to keep it interesting. All right. So. One quick correction here, okay, because we are not the fake news Vikings uh, channel, okay? You denigrated Matt Stafford, denigrated him by making a flippant comment about how, oh, he'll probably, like, as usual. He's getting old. He'll tear something. I'll have you know that before Matt Stafford missed part of November and December last year, that he played in 152 consecutive games as the starting You know what? It didn't feel like it. All right. (laughs) You know what? It didn't feel like it. 152. Yeah, but he literally played every game going back to 2010 consecutively. But you know what? That streak came to an end, and he's now injury prone in the latter part of his career, and something will go wrong. And just for that, I should, I should, you know what? I should just pick the Lions. Pick them to win. You know what? Screw it. Pick them to win the division. Do it. All right. Do it. I'm not going to pick them to win the division. But here's what I'm going to do. Here's what I'm going to do. All right. 
I've got the I've got the Vikings now. I had them eleven and five. I've got them ten and six now. I don't think you can lose Daniil Hunter for an extended stretch and not have it cost you in some way. Um, I don't think it shipwrecks your season, but I think I'm going to go eleven yeah. and five down to ten and six. Yeah, and it becomes a problem. And therefore, I have the Packers winning the division. So whether yeah. it's via tiebreaker or the Packers go eleven and five, I'll have the Packers winning the division in part because Daniil Hunter's out. I got the Cowboys winning the East, the Saints and the 49ers coming out of the South and the West. Vikings is a wild card team. Buccaneers is a wild card team. And the Lions as a wild card team. Three playoff teams from the very formidable NFC North. I told you I told you not to do that, okay? Eight and eight but Lions. I'm glad team. You did. Maybe nine and seven, somewhere in there. All right. <laughs> Maybe seven and nine. Declan, go ahead. All right. Yeah, I think uh with Daniel Hunter's absence, I'm gonna bump him down to nine and seven. However, I still think nine and seven wins this division because everyone's going to be beating up on each other. Like I, I can totally see a team just go a couple teams with tiebreakers, and if someone wins ten games, I would be I would be pretty surprised. So I'm going to say the Vikings still win the division at nine and seven. They'll be the one of those ugly teams that win a division and the wild card team that's better with a better record. But I still have the Vikings winning the NFC North at nine and seven in the East. Um, it's going to be just the Cowboys. I, I really, I know everyone's still high on the Eagles, maybe bouncing back and Carson Wentz being healthy. I'm just not a big Carson Wentz guy. In fact, I'm, I'm my dude, Jalen Hurts. I can't wait for the next Carson Wentz injury. So my guy, Jalen Hurts can take Jeez. things over there. You just hope That's I, brutal, I, Jacqueline. For injury. So let me get this right. Carson so, Wentz so is the man Judd, of God. Judd, Judd rips Matt Stafford, but I, I'm, I'm just going to rip Carson Wentz. This is just how I didn't say I hope okay. he gets hurt. I said he will get hurt. Okay, well, okay, fine. Carson Wentz will get hurt. Oh, that's, that's probably true. Okay. okay, I'm totally with you now. are ruthless. I know Cowboys. Yeah, Cowboys will win the NFC East uh, in the West. Uh, the 49ers, although I think there's some regression, I still think that's their division to lose. So I have the 49ers winning uh, the West and then the NFC South. This is a really fun division because I can again, it's, it's similar to the North to me. I think there's four teams that are pretty formidable here for the most part that and a couple that could surprise us. However, I, I'll just go with the Saints in, in, until they prove me wrong. I think Drew Brees still has at least one more really good year left in him. Uh, so I'll say the Saints win the South. And then your wild card teams, I would say, are the Green Bay Packers will uh, be the first wild card team out there. And then in, I'll have the Cardinals. I'm with Judd, too. I think Kyler Murray is going to be a lot of fun. Kyler Murray uh, will, will be one of those few wild card teams. And then Russell Wilson and the Seahawks. So three teams out of the West will uh, will get the playoff spot. And, and as we talked about last uh, yesterday on the show, like there's only two pushover teams. And after everyone else, it's just a gauntlet in the NFC. Like yeah. you're going to see – teams like that are like the last team out of the playoff field that are going to be the run of guys that are just one game back. So I, I think that would be my NFC playoff field. People are sleeping on probably Russell Wilson and the Seahawks just because of like the other teams in that division. And people are sleeping on the Rams, but there's only seven. No, they, I'm not they, sleeping they, on the Rams. I'm not sleeping. I got them in the playoffs. True. They added a team and it still feels like there's not enough slots. All right. On to some Viking centric things. Who is the non-established Vikings player? And by that, I mean like, no, no we're not counting Kirk Cousins, Adam Thielen, like a non already established star player for the Vikings that arrives in 2020, that breaks out in 2020 in some form? I've got one on offense and one on defense. My offense guy is B.C. Johnson. I I think B.C. Johnson's uh, a good, young steal of a seventh-round pick who can run really good routes and has the speed to catch the deep ball. B.C. Johnson, I think, becomes um, one of Kirk Cousins more reliable targets. So offensively, it's him. My defensive guy, Ofedi. I think he's going to get a chance. And he he had what in a backup role? Seven sacks, I believe. Last year, six sacks, something like that. He's going to have to play now if he um, 
if he plays more consistently on the left end, and then he's probably going to move inside on passing downs, he could play, depending on how long Daniil Hunter's out, a ton. So I think those two guys are going to go from being really nice young players who we like to being absolutely key parts of the Vikings. Dex, go ahead. Yeah, I would actually go with uh, my guy Irv Smith here. And Irv Smith is going to be, I think, someone who emerges over the tight end one. Kyle Rudolph can still be that red zone guy. You know, I know everyone always says he's the big security blanket down there. But his speed, and he's up there in age, I just don't see him being a guy that can grab 50 balls anymore. He can still be a productive red zone target. But I think uh, Irv Smith can be the one who really gets the majority of those. And with his two tight end sets with Kubiak, you know they're going to be featuring them a lot. And I think Irv Smith, just the talent is there, and he's ready to burst out. And I think he'll emerge as your tight end one on the offensive side. On the defensive side, last year this guy really impressed me, and I think even this year we're going to start to see him get more reps and, and, and take more of an opportunity, and that's Eric Wilson. I think Eric Wilson's a very, very good linebacker, and eventually if you're going to have to move on from Anthony Barr um, with your salary cap uh, causing you all sorts of pain down the road, I think Eric Wilson's going to be the guy who just steps in and replaces Anthony Barr like that. So I want to see what he can do over the course of the season, and those would be my two guys that I would say uh, are flying under the radar that could pop up in 2020. So uh, you've nailed Irv Smith was my offensive guy. I'm going to give you a different one for defense, though. Breakout player in 2020, and he's it's funny because he's overshadowed at his own position group by the rookies that we talk about. Holton Hill emerges as an established, very good NFL cornerback if he can stay healthy and if he can stay off of the suspension list, which has yeah. been a problem for him so far in his career. So, you know, stay on the field for 16 games or close to it. And I think the Vikings' faith and Mike Zimmer's faith in him and keeping him on the roster through some trouble is going to pay off in 2020. So Holton Hill is my guy. I like it. All right, next category for you guys. What is if everything goes right for the Minnesota Vikings in 2020? Whatever that means to you, what happens? They win if everything goes perfect and Cousins has a great year. And let's say he improves. Uh, they win 11 games. And if everything and goes. Then, and then what happens? Uh, they win a playoff game as well and probably go out in the second round. Okay. But they win. But I mean, I I have a really hard time if I go through the schedule, especially now, getting them even close to that uh, amount of wins. So if everything goes right, though, and it becomes this sort of magical 2017 repeat, 11-5, and and at least one playoff win. Dex? I would say if everything goes right, that means Daniil Hunter did not miss more than three games, so he's back in the fold by week four. Um, You get right back on track, and your offense is still clicking with Kubiak's system. Your young cornerbacks still take a step up and aren't a complete disaster. And I think if everything goes right, you you still win those 11, 12 games that I predicted last week, and you go to the NFC Championship game. I think those would be at everything goes right. I'm not going to put them in the Super Bowl. I can't do that. Get waxed in the championship game. Everything goes right, and they snap this seven, what is it, seven consecutive NFC Championship game losses, I believe, for the Minnesota Vikings. I've seen them go like four times in the last 18 years that I can remember. And I think the best case scenario is that Daniil Hunter doesn't miss significant time, and you go to the NFC Championship game. Yeah, I th- so I, I'm with Dex here. I think the best case, if everything goes right, and, and part of everything going right also includes some other teams in the NFC maybe have some problems or like, you know, you, you play... New Orleans on a short week and Drew Brees isn't 100% or something. Like, there's some schedule things that probably go into this too, but I think it's a 12 win team if everything goes right. I think Kirk Cousins wins his first Monday night football game against the Bears if everything goes right and just shows that he can perform at a high level in some big games more often than he has historically in his career. And I think you get to the NFC Championship game. But I just have a hard time 
next year, I think the Vikings are going to have like some younger guys are going to be further along. Justin Jefferson will be more established, young cornerbacks, offensive line more straightened out by next year. I think this year is a step into 2021. And so mm-hmm. if you can make it a good step, then maybe you can win a Super Bowl in 2021, but I'm not ready to say that for this year. What about the other thing? If everything goes wrong for the Vikings, what does that look like for you record-wise and and otherwise, Judd? Uh, if everything goes wrong, Hunter doesn't come back probably for the entire season because it's a bad neck problem. Kirk Cousins drops off a bit in play. Dalvin Cook gets banged up partially because he's banged up and, and partially because if he does, he, he ain't playing through that uh, with no contract. If Dalvin Cook turns an ankle... On Sunday against the Packers, he's going to sit for three weeks, and he should, or a month, or longer. Um, and if all of that comes together in a uh, in a 2010 type, it's just all falling apart. The Vikings win five games, wow. but here's the thing: nobody gets fired, so it's absolutely fine. Hmm. I I think Phil's point, and I I did a column on this for ScoreNorth.com a couple days ago before we found out that uh, Hunter was hurt. I think the Vikings set up for this possibly to be an okay year. But if it all falls off the table, you can really point to 2021 as uh, guys have experience now. The quarterback is back. Hunter is back. So unless you won like two games, I don't think during the course of this year there's any talk of Zim didn't do this. He's fired. I just don't. Yeah, it's going to be tough. It's going to be a weird year. Yeah, I think I well, I'll lay out my worst case scenario here just since I took the baton. Um, I actually don't see a five and eleven. Knock on wood. Like I think this team, there's a like I guess if you said well everybody gets hurt. Yeah, but guys quit. Yeah, guys stop playing and guys get hurt. Yeah, that that gets weird. So realistically, like as long as you don't have ten key guys get hurt, which obviously could lead to like a four win season or something. If it's a reasonable amount of injuries, and maybe the worst case scenario includes that Daniel Hunter doesn't come back, I still think this is like a six or a seven win team. I just that's fair. You know, yeah. you know, if you lose Kirk Cousins and Daniel Hunter for a stretch, and now it's Sean Mannion, and you don't have another pass rusher that you trust for you know nine hundred snaps. All right, now we can maybe talk about five wins, but I just don't think the floor is that bad for this team. I, th- I think the window is sort of between like seven and eleven wins. If Harrison Smith gets hurt, it's really dicey because that entire secondary then becomes a house of cards. Yeah, yeah, they do have some positions, and they're finding out a defensive. But, but you're end, asking yeah. like total worst case. Yep. I, but but again, like injuries are a part of worst case. But I I think worst case scenario, no one gets fired. Still, yeah, I don't think and fired. it's like six and ten or seven and nine, and then you can bounce back for next year. Declan, what what about you? Yeah, I'm more on the judge side of things here. If Daniil Hunter is in, indeed out for an extended period of time, he misses 8 to 10 games, and then your cornerbacks get exposed, so then your defense basically is performing at a league average at best, but mostly on a below-average scale. Uh, your defense and your bread and butter, you're no longer being able to stop in, uh, stopping the opponents from getting points. That's going to be an issue. I also am curious if Adam Thielen can stay healthy for 16 games because if you remove him from the equation, I think the Vikings passing game is very, very suspect. I mean, like, if Dalvin Cook... Uh, get slowed down a little bit. I can still. I. I, I think that's going to be all right. But if you lose Adam Thielen, then you have and you and you have to figure out how those targets go go across the board. I think the Vikings' offense is in serious trouble. So I, I would say worst case scenario was Daniel Hunter is out for a while. Adam Thielen's age starts to show, or he's just not able to stay healthy. And yeah, you maybe only win five games. I mm-hmm. could see that being the worst case scenario. But I, I would be shocked even. If all those think bad things play out, that this is like a two or three win team, that would be disastrous. That's that's even beyond worst case scenario. But you know what? If 
let's say let's say Kirk Cousins gets hurt in the first week and Daniel Hunter's uh, out and, and the wheels come off. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't fight your inner urge to go two and fourteen if it meant who you're going to draft? Jacksonville will saying, come after you. That that game, <laughs> if if you play the Jaguars here in the Trevor Lawrence Bowl, it would be amazing to see who wouldn't play in that game. You treat it like the the Golden State Warriors, where it's like, ah, oh, we just had some injuries, and we're gonna we're gonna take you know what? And get a top. The pick. head coach ain't capable, and I love the, I love the idea. Well, then maybe he has to go on a medical hiatus for a few weeks, just so he doesn't have to be responsible. Football. So what you're saying is, Kurt gets the COVID. And then they're like, Zim might have it too. Go quarantine. Yeah. Yes, I'm. I'm just saying. Like, I don't think there's going to be a huge, right. you know, risk of going two and fourteen here. But if you start to go in that direction because of injuries early, nah, there's 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 worse drafts to be Thanks, sitting Larry. on top of. Thanks, Larry David. So get those nerds, nerd, nerd. All right, Judd Zolgad, the floor is yours for our football nerd segment of the week that you are calling this week the depth chart intrigue segment. Oh, yeah. Hold on a second here. I got to get to my right uh, page in my notebook because I was just on my picks page. Uh, let's see. Bad Boys notes for tomorrow. Got to get past that. All right. Here we go. Depth chart intrigue from the Vikings. <laughs> More so on offense, but but the first depth chart was released uh, officially when the Vikings put out their uh, press pack for this Packer game, and I found some things to be interesting. I'm going to start with this one. Not shocking, but interesting, okay? B.C. Johnson ahead of Justin Jefferson on the depth chart. I think that's smart. Meaning, I do too. But technically, that means that your top two receivers going into Sunday's game against the Packers are Thielen and B.C. Johnson. Jefferson uh, is behind officially um, B.C. Johnson. Dan Chisna, the, the special teams ace, who I'm sure, I'm guessing, will not be active on Sunday, is third on that end of the wide receiver depth chart. And then the Thielen side has Thielen, Tajay Sharp, Chad Beebe. But I'm guessing that internally they are hoping that Justin Jefferson on the depth chart jumps B.C. Johnson within the first, what, you think, month or um, eight games at least? Well, I mean, it but depends. I mean, it's is, geeky. Is, it's Justin, is Justin Jefferson, if, if he's primarily a slot receiver in this case, and B.C. Johnson's on the outside, then... I could see B.C. Johnson getting a lot more snaps this season than Justin Jefferson does. I am very curious about that question, too. Like, how does this shake out? Yeah, well, let's 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 pump the brakes real quick on Justin Jefferson is just a slot receiver because... Oh, absolutely. His his junior... Well, he came out as junior, so his sophomore year at LSU... Outside, right? He was outside for the majority last of the season. Year, actually, the parallel? Um, Carl Anthony Towns at Kentucky. Didn't Calipari purposely have him play inside in his last year there or outside? He he basically had him play to a non-strength and said, this will do you good. Yeah, he wasn't jacking uh, nine threes yeah, per game. I think he had him play inside primarily <laughs> and not and not take shots yeah. as much from the outside. Yeah, Justin Jefferson, just, just for the record here, okay, his second year at LSU in yep. which he was not just exclusively in the slot, he caught 54 passes for an average of 16 and a half yards per catch. And now, you know, all right, 2009, let, let, let's let's go down this path of like, well, but he's a yeah, but he's a slot receiver. That's what he is and that's what he that's where he really thrived as a junior. Why is that a problem? Let's say his productivity in college as a slot receiver in his junior year, 111 catches for 1500 yards and 18 touchdowns. If he wants to be a top-level slot receiver, it is 2020 in the NFL, baby. Slot corners and slot receivers are valuable. So I'm fine, also, I'm fine with either way. And and th- this is true of, of us as well. But I think uh, fans and 
people in our end of the business fall too in love with what can this guy do immediately and what was his last strength in college? Like, I don't think that's how pro teams always think, right? So, like, this guy played in the slot a lot last year in college, and that's great. He was really, really good. But I don't think the Vikings thought we are drafting a guy who is only going to play the slot. And But we think, how can Jefferson step in and immediately help the Vikings? Where I think the Vikings think that sort of as well, but they also think long-term, this guy probably has ability to do a lot of things. They'll ease him in. Also, the fact that they did keep Tajay Sharp on the roster means they're probably going to use him. Like, I don't think you keep him if you're not going to use him for like 10 snaps or something a game. I'd agree. Yeah. So it's possible that we might not see a lot of Justin Jefferson until like halfway through the season just because of the lack of offseason workouts and whatnot. Get those nerds! 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 All right, what else you got? Second one, offensively, it's interesting because... At the start of camp, we weren't sure where this guy was playing, and he was drafted in the second round to be the left tackle eventually. But officially, Ezra Cleveland will start the season listed as the backup to Dakota Dozier at left guard. I'm curious what this means, Um, because we speculated that Reef might kick inside at one point, and he might play left guard, right? And that Cleveland might start at left tackle, and clearly that was... um, never truly in the cards. And then we thought, okay, well, if Cleveland can kick inside and play left guard for his first season and then go outside next year, this is not something to panic about, but I am curious what the long-term plan and thought process with Cleveland is, because I would have predicted that if if he was going to be a backup at a position, if, if during the draft, when they took him, you would ask me, I would have said, my guess is he'll be the backup left tackle if that's his spot. So I guess I'm just a little bit curious where Cleveland ultimately, when he does begin to play, which, you know, could be 2020, could be 2021. But when he begins to play on a regular basis, I'm curious where he plays. Yeah, I think the going back to sort of best worst case scenarios, the best case scenario long term is that you've got Brian O'Neill as your starting right tackle and Ezra Cleveland as your starting left tackle for the next seven years. Like if if that's if you've nailed those two picks and those are your pillars on the outside. Um, so I think they're they're probably trying to battle. Well, Riley Reef, all right, now that we figured out the contract thing, he's our left tackle. And so we just need to kind of figure out where Ezra Cleveland best fits for this season. I would be curious to see, like, are they, have they moved off of him long term as a that's left what, tackle? That's, like, my, that's, that's my so, question. So. Exactly Get right. those nerds! Nerds! I'll nerds! You, I've got two more for you. Tight end. How long is the charade going to continue on the depth chart? Kyle Rudolph, God bless you. You've been here a long time. And you know what? To Dex's point from before, you're effective in the red zone. But the initial depth chart, gentlemen, has Kyle Rudolph ahead of Irv Smith Jr. Yeah. And that's just not the world in which Judd Zolgad lives. But it's not the world in which you need to live if you're the Vikings. Like, you don't need to throw that shade at Irv Smith, at, at Kyle Rudolph. It can be unspoken. They were they were both targeted, I believe, the exact same number of times last year. They were oh, both yeah, targeted like yeah, 50 th- times. No, you're talking about 2019. I've moved on to 2020. And I and I agree. And Judd's I, in 2020. And I think the Vikings will too. But just in terms of like all the different things, team chemistry, everything, there's no reason to ruffle the feathers of Rudolph. You can you can set the depth chart up this way, and then Irv Smith can still catch 10 passes. Give Kyle a, a Vikings tie and tell him, here's a nice tie. We appreciate all that you've done. You're second on the depth chart. Irv Smith Jr. should be in the Pro Bowl. All right, my last one. Sorry, hold on. Get those nerds! 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 
The listed primary depth chart kickoff and punt return man. And for kickoffs, I don't oh, care because right. they are a non-factor nice. now, okay? But the primary punt return man as well is a young man draft-picked, K.J. Osborne, all right? Yeah. I will caution you. I'm very curious what the marching orders K.J. Osborne as a punt returner, what he's been given. This, is to me, is one of the most difficult, intricate jobs in football because when you return punts, people are on you instantly. And and I'm curious, have they given him the Bobby Wade plan, which is fair catch it, don't move, shut up, Bobby just Wade. say this, fair catch, fair Bobby catch, fair, raise like, that. The ball is being snapped to the punter, and Bobby catch. Wade just fair catching. Fair catching it. <laughs> or the Marcus Sherrill's plan, which was we trust you to not only catch the ball, but then return it. But K.J. Osborne, okay, so just for the record, K.J. Osborne has returned, let's see here, uh, 50 punts in college the last three years. Yeah. So uh, he's he's not no, I know. stepping I like in this. for the first time. I'm he's just, done it 50 times. Right. I'm just saying that this is, that to me remains a job at which you can turn the game instantly. Good yeah. or bad. I like it. I think if you if you feel like it's a it's just a good spot for him to get some touches, you know, I don't know if I don't know that he ever projects as like one of your top two or three actual wide receivers you know in what? three years. If he can return punts and do a good job there, that gets him a roster spot, I think. Yep. I like it. And the kickoff, who cares? It's just gonna go through the end zone. And that is our football nerd nerds! segment. Nerd! Nerd! Of the week, a quick reminder that Vikings Ventline makes its return this Sunday, right after the Vikings game is over. And uh, previously, it was a caller-driven, radio-centric show. Starting this year, it's going to be a video-slash-YouTube-centric show where we welcome you guys into the actual discussion. And you can get in, well, two things. Number one, you can watch it live right after the game is over on Score North Twitter and Facebook. That's S-K-O-R North Twitter and Facebook. And also YouTube.com slash Purple Daily Podcast. It'll be live on all those platforms. If you want to actually join the video with us and give us your Vikings takes, just send an email. And if you want to send one now just to, like, you know, get on our radar, send an email to VikingsVentline at gmail.com. And, uh, and and we're tempting fate a little bit because we've never done anything like this where we welcome in fans to the videos. And we're gonna there's going to be some producing in the background to make it happen. But um, we're pumped to do it and take the next step as a, as a show. And uh, we've just been seeing a lot of good interactions and traction on our video content. So we're going to keep pushing forward. So, boys, you ready for uh, you ready for Vikings Packers? I'm getting yeah. there. I'm getting there now. I, I will. I will be crawling out of my bed at about eleven forty-five a.m. on on Sunday morning. But I'm ready. I'm ready. I'll, I'll be there. Judd's will be in I'll, the house. I'll be there. So that's a wrap on this Skull. episode of Purple Daily. We appreciate you hanging out with us, and we will see you tomorrow.